What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Struggle to Strength podcast, your source for real-life application on how to turn your struggles into strength in all things mind, muscle, and money. I am your host, Josh Levine. I am joined here by my longtime friend and co-host, Travis Hatch, and today we have a really, really great episode for y'all. Here in the studio with us is my friend Dylan Timmons of DeNovo CrossFit, and we're going to go deep into the differences in approach we have here in coaching and participating CrossFit versus bodybuilding. So we're going to cover everything from training, nutrition, recovery, coaching, physique development, enhancement, and more. I am really, really excited for this, y'all. Dylan, thank you for joining us, man. I'm excited to have you here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Um, you know, it was cool connecting with you in October back at that physique excellence cartel seminar with Jason. That was great. And so I guess thank you, Kylie Uplifts for yep. this connection. But yeah, I coach at DeNovo CrossFit up in Fort Collins. And I've been out here for just under a year in Colorado, but I've been coaching since I was 18. I'm 24 now, so I've been part-time, I've been full-time. I was out of the game for a little bit, but now I'm back. So now that I'm here in Fort Collins, my boss has you know, giving me the okay to start a nutrition program like immediately when I first moved out here. So I've officially jumped into the nutrition coaching business as of April. It's been going full time. Quarantine kind of threw a wrench in things, but now that that's over, kind of getting all the ducks in a row. And yeah, that's awesome. And you probably made a good pivot during quarantine. I mean, we're, we're both online, right? Uh, yeah, it was weird. So like I had just started putting things together and like reconnected with Jason Phillips in February and March, the gym got shut down, I believe March 17th. And so we were just doing zoom classes. Like we hopped on that train right away. I think we only missed a single 5am class compared to our regular schedule before we hopped on the zoom train. And so wow. we didn't miss a beat. That's awesome. But like money was tight. I was in kind of a dark place. Cause I, I moved out new year's Eve. And this was, to say the least, not the year that I was expecting in some bad ways, but also a lot of good ways. And a lot of incredible things have came out of this. But during quarantine, we separated our coaching hours. So I was really only coaching like two or three classes a week. And so I ended up landscaping for a couple months. Thankfully, a member at my gym, he owns a curbing and landscape company. He gave me a job and kind of got me through quarantine. And then eventually, like, it started to just eat at me more and more. Like, I wasn't coaching. The crazy hours were getting in the way of, like, actually being able to have time to build a nutrition business as well as, like, keep track of my clients. Um, I had to miss a couple physical gym classes when we reopened it again because I got stuck in a job down in, like, Broomfield. And so it was just time to let that go. Went out to ICX3 in Nashville with Jason. And that was really when everything changed. And he very, like, forcefully and gently pulled my head out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where everything's just kind of been building since. That's awesome. Yo, I like the I like that. So you just moved out here very recently. Yeah, New Year's Eve is when I got okay. moved in. This, this is one of my favorite parts of everything you just said is you just moved out here very recently. Shit hit the fan. You mm -hmm. kind of put all your eggs into the coaching basket. And Travis and I, we talk about this on the podcast a lot. Like, you just have to go for it and things will work out. Yeah. Like, shit didn't work out for you right away. You figured it out. You ended up working landscaping. Travis always says, he's like, dude, I'll do literally anything that makes me money if it doesn't work. Yeah. Pretty much. So, yeah, you're a prime example of that. Yeah. And now, came back around, doing way better than you were. People like... Yeah. 
you gotta you can't underestimate like the ability just like with working out like you put yourself under stress and your body's gonna figure out a way to survive and build your muscles stronger it's the same thing with like your life like if you throw yourself into something like if you sit around thinking about it it'll never happen but if you throw yourself into it you'd be surprised like how you just find ways to figure out how to make it happen you know Imagine. just start landscaping for a little bit make some money and then <laughs> go back to doing that full time like do anything how is that you know that's not like that's fine and, and it works yeah and it worked and you started to feel the pain of like not doing what you wanted to do that's why i moved out here yeah you you moved out here to coach mm -hmm. like to pursue your passion yeah and then shit hit the fan but you felt the pain of like the pain of not following your passion was pretty rough i imagine oh dude it drove me nuts like <laughs> i i snapped it at one point and i just immediately started looking for jobs so i after i graduated college um i coached at my very first gym where i was a first ever member as a crossfit athlete got into an internship just out of my own will like i didn't have to do it for class i got an exercise science degree but that wasn't required and i just did it because i knew i wanted to coach and there's a whole deeper side of where that coaching thing came from. Um, if we got time to go into that today, but it'll get dark in here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I think I think a lot of us honestly we come from a dark place. So and but, you learned that this is what you should be doing. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so after I graduated, I got a full time job at a different CrossFit gym. I'm not going to name names. And I was there for about six months, and it didn't work out, and it crushed me. Like it was. Like it was kind of an odd situation from what I heard from other coaches afterwards and some of the members who were there, but either way, like it just wasn't meant to be. And so I was struggling for a while. I went back to bartending and driving an hour every weekend, crashing on my buddy's couch just to work at the bar, make a couple hundred bucks a week. And like that was getting me by for a little bit Found a different bartending job in the city of Davenport where I was. And I was, I was making substantially more money than, I was when I first moved out here that like I took a huge, huge, huge pay cut for just in general to come out here and like risk moving halfway across the country just to coach and coaching like six classes a week at this gym that was brand new, less than a year old at the time, just threw all my eggs in there. And then it's like, yeah, everything like came together, fell apart. And now it's starting to come together again. But I was bartending 40, 50 hours a week. I was up till like two or three in the morning every night found myself just staying up later and later. Um, my relationship was in the tank. Um, very grateful for the girlfriend that I have now that's been super supportive. And she was the first one that talked me out of landscaping. She's like, you need to do this. But I was miserable making like 1500 a week off of just serving beer because we were a craft beer bar. And I was like, I miss coaching. Like, it's not fulfilling staying up super late and sleeping into, like, anywhere from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day. Like, having no life, having no drive, just feeling like I'm missing out on everything. And it's like, for so many years, I lived my entire identity either as an athlete, as a coach, or just in the community of CrossFit. And so it's like, I eat, sleep, and breathe health and fitness. What the fuck am I doing just serving beer? And, like, turning people into alcoholics and, like, supporting this side of life and supporting something that I really don't partake in anymore. And like alcoholism ran in my family. And it was just like, it felt wrong. It felt like I was living a lie for however many years. Like it was cool in college, but then it's like, why am I still doing this? I'm a coach. Yeah. And you just feel like shit. Like yeah. not sleeping and staying up so late. Like yeah. that doesn't, 
biofeedback. Yeah, now we know that. Tank, <laughs> yeah. dude. Now we know that sleep is the first thing that we try to change in people. <laughs> I don't know what sleep was. I used to, uh, you can thank Jason Phillips for this, but he got me on that trend of five shot Fridays mm-hmm. where we had an awesome little, uh, um, coffee shop in Davenport and I would do a 16 ounce cold brew with five shots of espresso. Oh my God. I would do that Fridays. I Jason, drink dude. <laughs> yeah. You can thank him for that, but seriously, like that's Did how you snort it. <laughs> Don't t- you weren't supposed to say that. Um, but no, I would drink that at like eight or 9 PM to get me through the rush. And then it's like, no wonder I was up till 4 AM. I slept like shit. I would wake up tired constantly. Yeah. You'd have cortisol dumps in the middle of the night. Like I don't even no... think I had any left. <laughs> that's wild, dude. If I, so five shots, not in the morning, but at night. Yeah. Dude, you're savage. Five shot Fridays in the PM. Wow. That's, that's what savage. happens. Man. So you've been into CrossFit for a long time now, but my question, and I'm always curious as to why people choose their certain um, like realm of fitness, what, what first interested you in CrossFit and when did you fall in love with it? So to start that, I guess kind of starts a few years before I was doing CrossFit. So I didn't even touch a weight until freshman year of high school. And I was the same size now, well, same weight now, but like five, eight, not an ounce of muscle on my body. And was doing like regular strength and conditioning, going to 6am for weightlifting but there was a speed and agility gym called Acceleration Iowa that a lot of the high school athletes went to. And it was basically like sprint treadmill work, plyo work. And then in between, so like we do 20 minutes of treadmill, we do what was called like a 10 minute halftime. And there was a CrossFit gym in the back. And we would do mini wads, like mini CrossFit workouts. And it would just destroy me. And it was harder than any of the treadmill stuff I had done. And I was like, what the hell is this? I need to keep doing this. So as soon as football season ended my senior year, I joined my first CrossFit gym and I learned how to lift the right way. Like no offense to my coach in high school. Like he taught us a lot, but it was incredible just seeing the strength gains once I actually had the technique. And I know that's one thing that CrossFit gets bashed for a lot. We're going to talk about that work. Today. Yeah, definitely. It, definitely got to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. It's bad coaching, not bad athletes, mm-hmm. but Agreed. in the span of like three months. So I started in October and by the time the open rolled around in February, I had put on probably like 85 pounds to my deadlift in three months just because I learned how to do it. Right. Yeah. You learned, you learned the movement. Like, yeah, my Olympic lifting, my Olympic lifting went through the roof. My gymnastics went through the roof. Um, just all in all, like even powerlifting wise, I got stronger because I learned how to do it the right way. And these workouts just fucking beat you to the ground. And it was like, this is interesting. We do something different every day and I'm going to keep doing this. I like that. And, and you do make a good point that, uh, you know, it's not the athletes, it's the coaching. I do want to get into like I'm in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. I've been in bodybuilding for a long time. I've dabbled Clearly in I'm powerlifting. <laughs> <laughs> you you are in move well, like a move well space. Yeah. I, don't, I don't move very well anymore. Like, I don't know if I could go play soccer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, have you ever played soccer? I have played soccer. In fact, I don't even know I, if we can be friends anymore as a rugby player. <laughs> as a rugby player? My parents wouldn't allow me to play rugby. I have nice Jewish parents who were always concerned about my health and safety. So I knocked myself out playing basketball and became a, <laughs> I became a snowboarder, a freestyle snowboarder, which is... You never get hurt snowboarding. Never. So. No, I of course not. Especially not in Colorado. Knocked myself out and broken more bones snowboarding than other things. 
Um, but I, I want to, I do want to cover some of the differences between CrossFit and bodybuilding outside of like the obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what would you clarify as obvious? I, like, like the fact that bodybuilders don't, we're not performance based as much as people think we are like, not like mm-hmm. you are like, yeah. like winning a bodybuilding show doesn't has nothing to do with how much you can deadlift. Yep. Right. And so I think that's the most obvious thing. Doesn't even um, matter about biofeedback either, because like anytime you step on stage, you feel like a garbage can your until you get off and smash until you get off stage and smash a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your biofeedback matters the whole time, but like because it's not performance based, like your biofeedback is gonna suck if you're in a prep, mm-hmm. like at some point or another. But um, so let's start. Let's actually start there. Let's identify the goal of each. So what is, and, and we're, we're gonna relate everything back to the goal because mm-hmm. of like principle of specificity. Um, you, like your training has to align with your goal. So what is the goal of CrossFit? What would you, what would you say it is? I mean, CrossFit is defined as functional fitness, but there's so many arguments out there of like, is a snatch functional? It's like, no, but it's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But really like functional fitness, like the ultimate goal is to be able to do whatever you want outside the gym and feel comfortable doing it. Whether that's going for a hike, whether that's being a recreational rugby player, whether that's just picking up your kids or being able to haul your groceries in and out of your car up up three flights to your apartment. Mm-hmm. That it just gives you that functional capacity that it's like, oh, I want to try rock climbing this weekend. I can probably do it. I've never rock climbed in my life, but I w- if I went to a gym right now, I could probably figure it out. I feel like mm-hmm. CrossFitters would be really good from running from the cops. Really good. Like CrossFitters and parkour. Apps. Yeah. Really good at being criminals. Yeah. We're good at running 400 <laughs> meters at a time and then coming in and doing some pull-ups. Right. <laughs> I, w- I will say I'm a sprinter at heart that if you put anything over a mile in front of me, I'm probably not doing it. You know what? CrossFit athletes might be good at uh, that. What's the, Have you guys watched Home Game on Netflix? No. Okay, so the f- watch Home yes. Game on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. Anybody who's listening, watch Home Game on Netflix. And the first episode is like, it's all about these um, traditional sports that other countries play. Like what is the traditional sport of that country? Somewhere in Italy, there's this sport that's like rugby mixed with MMA. So you have to be fast, you have to move well. You yeah, would probably love this. I've, I've seen that okay. where they like straight up fist fight. And- yeah, so they line up like they're gonna play rugby and then like they sna- whatever, they snap the ball or whatever they do. And then everyone just starts punching each other in the face. Absolute mayhem. <laughs> it is absolute mayhem. It's really it's like, not that different from it's rugby like, in the 70s. Yeah, it's like setting a pick <laughs> not. in basketball, except you just start fighting instead <laughs> you of standing there. fist fighting. <laughs> but... Um, aside from running in the cops and punching people in the face, <laughs> I think CrossFit does lead to like a very functional and like healthy way of living, like healthy movement patterns, as long as it's taught correctly. So something that I think we should cover now is like the 10, they're called pillars of CrossFit, right? Yeah. Like the 10 pillars of fitness, the 10 pillars of fitness. So, and, and these are things that in CrossFit, the goal is to have them be elite in even amounts. Like you don't want to be too good at one thing and really not good at another thing, right? Mm-hmm. Although so, I wouldn't say, unless you're like Matt Fraser and like yeah. a CrossFit Games athlete, you're never going to be elite. Okay. That you're never going to be elite in any of these different capacities. But that's the beauty of Gen Pop CrossFit is I'm going to be decent mm-hmm. at everything. Okay. So to, to break it down for everyone, so the 10 pillars are cardiovascular and respiratory endurance. And you let me know if I have any of these wrong. Mm-hmm. Cardiovascular and respiratory endurance, stamina, strength, flexibility, power, speed, coordination, 
agility, balance, and accuracy. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is that yep. more than 10? No, that should be 10. It, no, unless 10. all three of us that's messed 10. up when we double checked before we started <laughs> filming. <laughs> I mean, I can't count past four, so <laughs> don't trust me. But so the goal is to be pretty good in all of those things. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, like for me in bodybuilding, like I'm not very flexible. I'm not very fast. Like I don't have a ton of stamina. I'm really strong. I have a lot of power. Um, I'm pretty coordinated. I definitely don't have all of these things. Mm-hmm. So that would be a huge difference in how, and I don't have to like to be good at bodybuilding, yeah. like to be a, like a functional human being, I probably should, mm-hmm. but to be really a really good bodybuilder, I don't have to. So um, the programming is going to be different. Yeah. Right. The program is going to be very different. So how in CrossFit every day is a little bit different, but how do you go about your programming? Uh, Basically like the easiest way to explain it is we have a checklist of different types of movements that we'll look at things like monostructural movements. And that's what we consider like running, jump rope, rowing, bike, anything that's like cyclical in nature. Then we have our weightlifting movements, anything with a barbell, anything with a dumbbell, anything with a kettlebell. Some people end up describing like kettlebells and wall balls as like odd objects just for a little more classification, but anything with a weight, anything um, like pull-up bars, handstands, push-ups, even an air squat is classified as gymnastics. And we blend all of those. And if you take an entire week's worth of programming, and break it down. It's like, okay, today I have um, wall balls, setups, push-ups. I have one check mark for the, the weightlifting with the wall ball, or one is an odd, odd object, depending on who you are as a coach, and then two movements for gymnastics. And so then we check that box. Then tomorrow, it's like if we have, you know, snatches and running, there's monostructural with the running, the cardio, and then we have another weightlifting for our snatches and using the barbell. And so we try to stay balanced throughout every one of those. And just for the sake of semantics, let's say we have five check marks for each one throughout the week. That means we're balanced. But right now at DeNovo, we recently switched our programming to more of a gymnastics and open prep focus to where we've only been into it for a couple of weeks. And I don't see the like the full like three months ahead, but we program a month at a time. And so we're intentionally being a little bit biased more towards gymnastics and some of the movements that we commonly see in the open, whether that's like muscle ups, toes to bar, burpees, um, setups are kind of hard to gauge from an open standpoint, but a lot of those things, and there's a list of probably 12 to 15 movements that we see every single year throughout those five weeks in the open. And that's what we're intentionally biasing towards. And we just got done with our cardiorespiratory endurance program. We did that for probably three or four months. We had things planned and then obviously like COVID screwed everything up and that switched the open around that was supposed to be going on in like October and November is now pushed back to February and March like it was a couple of years ago. Okay. Now when for the open and f- for those workouts, how far in advance do you know what those workouts are? For the open mm-hmm. the night before. So you don't, so you have to, like, we just learned this when we were interviewing Tony Mateen, the vegan strongman, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, in strongman, I didn't know this, in strongman, they don't know what events they're going to have to do until, like, a couple weeks before the before the actual competition. So CrossFit's kind of the same. You just have to practice everything and be good at it. Yep. 
Okay. It's preparing for the unknown and the unknowable. That's, okay. That's one phrase that gets commonly thrown around in CrossFit is preparing for the unknown because like you never know if you're going to have to, I mean, hopefully never run away from the cops and like hop a fence <laughs> or like help someone out of a car wreck or, you know, there's the possibilities in life are endless. And so that's the goal is to be prepared for anything. But if we're talking from a competition standpoint, the way the open works is there's five weeks of workouts and it's a worldwide competition. So there's an online leaderboard and the way they used to do it was they had regionals where it was like the top 20 from each specific region would get pulled to regionals. Then the top three go to the games. Now this last year, weird because of COVID and everything has happened, but now it's worldwide and it's like the top 20 get chosen for the games. And then you can earn your way in through an invite at sanctionals. And those are basically region, um, kind of the makeup for regionals where it's sanctioned CrossFit events by CrossFit HQ. And you have to win one of those events to get a spot to the games. But the open typically what people would do before like the shutdown and gym limits and everything was the workouts get released Thursday night. Most gyms do like a Friday night lights of basically an in-house competition where we would run a bunch of heats and everyone goes, you have a judge and then you either retest, which a lot of people do. And we can talk about that for like stress and recovery standpoint later, but do the workout on Friday, submit your scores by Monday and rinse and repeat for five weeks. And so you find out 24 hours in advance. Okay. That, that could be a lot, especially if like personally for me, I did one CrossFit class in my life Mm -hmm. and they put me, obviously you're in a room with a bunch of other people and I'm like, okay, so there's this one thing and whoever gets done first wins, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to win. Now, if you put me and there's a leaderboard, I would definitely be the person to run myself into the ground and like royally fuck myself up trying to do as best I can. But you're doing that for a whole month. Mm-hmm. How many, like how many people usually retest and for how many workouts can you truly retest for before you just drive yourself into the ground? That's the question. Yeah. Um, a lot of people retest, but a lot of people also don't realize the stress response that's happening mm-hmm. and the cortisol, the cortisol dump, the need for recovery and that you can't maximally empty your tank with, you know, twice in 48 hours and expect no. to have the same result. Like some people do or better. They're yeah. trying to do better. But there's also little things of where it's not necessarily emptying the tank out every time, but it's like, oh, I could have broken this movement up differently. I could have oh, rested like strategy. Yeah. There, so there is strategy for it for, okay. um, you know, once you see the workout that it's got 50 movements of this, 15 of this, 50 of this, and you can look at it like, okay, where are my, where are my breaks going to be? You can test it out once and like, okay, I could have pushed a little bit harder on this one. I need to back off on this one because I know what my limits are. And so there's that aspect of strategy for retesting, but it's also everything you're doing is at max effort. So regardless of strategy, you're emptying your tank. Yeah, it's still stress. Mm-hmm. There's still a ton of stress on the physique or on yeah. the body. I Even was... just a regular CrossFit workout is super stressful that most people don't yeah. realize because the high intensity factor mm-hmm. that we come in, you know, if you do a superset of like back squats and bent over rows is in just like a lifetime fitness or a traditional bodybuilding gym, the intensity level, if you do four sets of that and I do four rounds as a CrossFit athlete, that intensity level is going to be way different. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's where a lot of people get burnt out from. It's like, oh, I'm just going to go to CrossFit six days a week and then expect to perform. And I don't realize that I'm under eating 100 grams of protein and like 700 calories below what I should be. But this, yeah, this is kind of where I feel like for me as someone who doesn't really do either of those things, um, it's like you're speaking the same language. You're just, it's just different things. Because if you were to go do bodybuilding workouts and eating with absolutely no information or any sort of plan and you get on the stage, you're going to look like shit. You're going like to yeah. be probably be, be fat. Yeah. It's all going to be like, dude, everyone eats a ton of food, right? I'm just crushing food and lifting heavy weights. Why don't I look ripped? Like vert and CrossFit's like the opposite side of that. It's, you know, you're doing like all this stuff so you can go in and just be like, Oh, I just do CrossFit. I just do like a billion reps a day. Like why am, why am I crashing? you have to have like a plan and a strategy for either one of those. If you want to take it like anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be any good at anything, whether you're competing or doing it casually, um, mm -hmm. if you're going down one of those paths, you need to have, you need to have a base knowledge and have like a strategy behind it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to just go have like cardio cardiovascular health, walk on the treadmill, lift a few weights and like eat whatever you want. Like that's better than sitting around and doing nothing. But if you're like, I'm going to get into bodybuilding or I'm going to get into CrossFit, you know, I just feel like bodybuilding is one of those things where like CrossFit is probably easier for people to, to fuck themselves up doing because they're like, I just go to a CrossFit gym. So it's like, I'm here for the workouts, but no one explained to me how to recover. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. or, or how to that's have That's what form. you do though, right? Right. Yep. That's yeah. what's so different that's where, about you. Yeah. yeah. And is, I think that's, yeah, that's where that, that part of that comes in, you know, or yeah. just like a bodybuilder can just be like, oh, I just lift heavy weights. And like, they're not really doing damage to themselves. Mm -hmm. So, so let's talk about that then. Let's talk about what you do for the people at your gym in terms of helping them understand like, why is recovery and so, so important? Why is diet so important? How do we find balance in our stress mitigation techniques? Um, how how is any of that let's talk about honey that's different from what i do in bodybuilding so what do you do for your clients and how does it work well for regular members inside the gym one thing that people need to realize is crossfit programming isn't random just because it's different every day doesn't mean that we're just pulling workouts out of our ass we it's still blocked yeah yeah we program a month at a time we go through different phases um like you know right now i said we're in a gymnastics and open prep phase we just finished a cardio phase and something that me and my team have been doing really mostly to my head coach and owner for starting this, that I had zero part in it, that we do like every time we do a workout brief for class, us coaches on the back end, we have a document called week at a glance. And so this is where we can look at that checklist of like weightlifting, monostructural gymnastics. We can see where we're at. We reference scaling options. We put in notes in our app for where our clients see the workouts. And it's like, this is what the set should feel like. This is what the pace should feel like. This is how many rounds you, sh you can expect to get. This is where we expect you to go unbroken and really push. And so we kind of give you that game plan of like today's workout, for example, that I coached this morning. It was a 15 minute AMRAP, as many rounds and reps as possible. You can basically think of it as circuit style training that we had 15 wall balls, which is squat with a 20 pound medicine ball, throw it up to a 10 foot target, 15 setups, 15 pushups. And the strategy, the strategy that we had for that, go unbroken on the wall balls, recover on the setups, and then it's personal preference for the push-ups, whether that's your strength or your weakness, know when to break and intentionally break when you when you want to, not when you have to. Mm -hmm. And so that was what I told my athletes this morning 
that, you know, like you, you might be able to bump out 15 push ups for six rounds, no problem. But you might be able to do five at a time. And so your strategies are going to be very different, but you at least both know that we need to avoid going to failure. We need to pick a pace that's sustainable and we need to know how many rounds that we're expected to get. And so we have that game plan going into every single workout, regardless of who's coaching. And so that's very different from bodybuilding. Uh-huh. Because in like the way I coach, the way I train and in, in, in my clients, like we, we do train to failure. Everything's an AMRAP. Like, just because I give you a, a set of eight to 12 reps doesn't mean you only do eight to 12. Like you should find failure somewhere between those eight to, eight to 12 reps. But what are your goals in bodybuilding to get fucking huge? Hypertrophy. <laughs> yeah. Ours, Whereas, is, ours is work capacity. Exactly. So it's very different in mm-hmm. the programming. So I just want to point out that like based on your goal, yes, your programming should be different. There is no one size fits all. Um, but it's very interesting to hear you talk about it. Because the whole time I'm like, that's not what I do. That's not, that's not what I do. <laughs> so, yeah, let's uh, let's say talk about that for a second. So versus what we just talked about, what are like, what's the purpose of bodybuilding? The purpose of bodybuilding is to grow hypertrophy, yeah. to create an aesthetic physique that's balanced and symmetrical as possible. I use the word symmetrical very lightly because it's impossible. Um, but essentially, we look at a physique, especially in stage poses, uh, and we want it to flow nicely. And so we, f- we figure out where we need mass and where we need to tighten up. So a lot of times we want a really tight waist. We want really broad shoulders. We want like an X frame, big quads, big sweeping quads. Um, and we essentially develop programming that helps us achieve that goal. Now, for most people with any physique goals, like people who just want to go to the gym to like look better, mm-hmm. um, that's like, it's not competitive bodybuilding, obviously, but like, we should train, we should treat that person kind of like a bodybuilder. If they want to look better, then that's a physique goal. That's an aesthetic goal. And so the way I'm going to train you is I'm going to look at your physique. I'm going to analyze where we need, what we need to change. Do you need more glute development? Do you need more chest development for a male? Um, and I'm going to create your programming around that. The training is always going to be very intense for me, at least. For my clients, we are always going to train at a very high intensity. So whereas in CrossFit, there are these 10 pillars of of fitness, right? Mm -hmm. In my clients, my three pillars are execution, intensity, and intent. Execution has to be perfect. Intent has to be dialed. You have to understand exactly what muscles are working and be able to tie in and connect your mind to that muscle and intensity to bring that to failure where that muscle no longer contracts against the load. That's going to create enough damage where if you are recovering properly is going to cause that muscle to grow, which is going to build you the physique that you want. Got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to me, it seems like the CrossFit is to take a average person and turn them into, um, well, like an athlete, an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say as, as like, let's say, let's say you've got like a total beginner. Uh, someone, someone who's like 25 has like never worked out and they're like, you know, which one should I do? I think to me, it seems like the point of CrossFit is to turn you into an athlete. And the point of bodybuilding is to make you look a certain way. Look like an athlete. Look like an athlete. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Like look like, you know, what, what, what you see like what an athlete would look like in a movie basically like a, yeah but yeah but like the, a superhero the, the point yeah the point of yeah the point of crossfit is basically to like 
make you perform better. And the point of bodybuilding is to make you look better. Mm-hmm. So those things probably cross and, and, you know, they affect each other. Definitely, there are because but. like, you'll never see a huge bodybuilder who isn't fucking strong. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, we don't usually move very well. Like we can't sprint very effectively. Um, we definitely don't move as well as you would as a CrossFit athlete or like what you would think of a quote unquote athlete in general. Right. And so CrossFit, like when it comes to looks, bodybuilders are probably going to look more the way that they design themselves to look. And a CrossFitter's body is going to look more the way they're genetically built. So like, yes, if you're, if you're built to have tons of muscle mass, you're probably going to put on muscle mass doing CrossFit, not as much necessarily as you would, but with bodybuilding yeah because the whole point is to put on muscle mass right but i think there are very like there's very specific body types for each like yeah crossfit athletes have a very specific body t- body type they have wider like wider trunks really strong trunks because of all the core work that they do um you know whereas bodybuilders have very small trunks like we want very small waists and very wide lats and very wide shoulders so i think there's a look to each um but we were talking about this earlier, like CrossFit athletes are sneaky strong a lot of times. Like you may not look like you can deadlift 425, but like you can deadlift 425. Yeah. Right. Um, So I think that's an interesting component. There is um, the way that you train does impact the way you look, but then also like you made a good point about if you're, if you're predisposed to packing on a bunch of muscle, yes, some people are predisposed to building more muscle. They just have like genetic gifts, but without what we were talking about earlier, recovery and the rest of the balance, even though I hate using that word, that comes with training really hard like a fucking animal, you're not going to build muscle. Like if you're too stressed all the time, if, if you're a CrossFit athlete who's constantly redoing their workouts, like imagine if you just did open style training, always trying to beat your last workouts, you would never grow. You'd never get stronger. You wouldn't sleep well. Your hormones would be shit. Mm-hmm. Nothing would work for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the other um, kind of takeaway f- for me is the recovery, the strategy and the recovery is basically the most important part of whatever you're doing, whether it's bodybuilding or CrossFit or powerlifting. It's like the, that's where you grow the yeah. form, your form, your technique, your knowledge, your recovery. Like yeah. those are those are the most important parts because yeah. you can do whatever you want, but if you can't, and recover if you do it from terribly. That, and you're not recovering, then yeah. you're not going to succeed. You're not going to improve. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm curious about is the diet portion. So I think we might we might have similar um, ideals here, mm-hmm. but because you're so performance-based, obviously we are in bodybuilding too. Like we want to have the greatest possible workouts. So, but yours are much more cardiovascular. What is, what is your diet look like and what does your peri-workout nutrition look like to optimize your performance in, in CrossFit? Carbs. Okay, so the we're- The secret we're, okay. is carbs. Yeah, we're, we're together um, on this then. <laughs> but no, it is. Uh, I just had to be funny there. Um, <laughs> because people are afraid of carbs for some reason. They, dude, they still fucking are. And I don't know why. I don't understand. Like, it's I, fucking Atkins and all that shit. Keto. Stupid. Don't even get me started on that. Stupid. Don't get me started on keto for CrossFit. It's wrong. <laughs> You're going to feel like garbage and you're never going to reach your maximum potential it's doing keto. It's a performance sport and you want to take out your body's preferred source of energy. Yes, especially, Stop it. especially in CrossFit because everything we do pretty much lies within that 10 to 25 minute window of workouts. And so 
we're, you know, we're going a little bit past that phosphocreatine system for like one rep max and, you know, using built-in ATP, but we never go long enough to truly reach an oxidative state. And so we're living in that middle ground of glycolytic. Yep. So muscle glycogen, liver glycogen, and everything through that is fueled with carbs. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how you recover. That's actually what brings down your cortisol spike after training and, it's what we use for our energy system. So if you're going low carb or let's even call it keto and going into CrossFit, you have zero muscle glycogen built up and ketones don't work the same. Nope. Nope. People don't understand that. What What about creatine? Do you guys use creatine? Uh, when, when you say glycolytic activity and, and you know, we're utilizing ATP stores, that's the first thing I think of is, is creatine for a good supplement. Yeah, I use it. I love okay. it. Um, is that common? I don't know. I don't push supplements super hard with my clients and... Um, all of, but one of my clients right now are female and their primary goal isn't muscle building and like looking like a bodybuilder. And they're not even really in the performance space either that they're trying to lose weight, feel better and just kind of like improve their overall health. So I haven't even mentioned creatine to them, but I do use it. I do find it beneficial. I'm out right now, but you get to um, use that ATP twice. Yeah. You know? It like, builds up that stores. You? If it gets you an extra like five seconds, five seconds of sprinting capability, if it gets you an extra rep before you go to failure and that counts. Yeah. For es- real. Especially if that's going to make or break you. If we're talking from a competition standpoint that if you need to hang on to your barbell to do some push jerks longer than the dude next to you, mm-hmm. and you have just a little bit more in your gas tank that you can hang on. That's a make or break. If you're yep. talking CrossFit games, that's the difference between $300,000 and 50. I mean, I don't know what second place gets, but you know, it's probably dollars. Yeah. No, 50 grand. Um, you know, I don't know what those purses are, but like if you're talking competition mode, that's going to make or break what yeah. CrossFit athletes make their livelihood on. That's your living. Yeah. Yeah. Take every advantage you can get. But that being said, I work with gen pop. I don't have anyone that like client or coach that's anywhere close to a games level athlete. And so like those supplements aren't really needed. But it's super beneficial. It's one of the very few supplements along with caffeine that has been repeatedly studied over and over and over again and proven to be safe, proven to be effective, and very little to no side effects in most people. In most people, yeah. It's good for your brain, too. Yeah. Dude, I got my parents on creatine. It's good for your brain. I think there's research that shows that it may um, uh, slow early onset Alzheimer's. Yeah. So, like, everybody should take creatine, in my opinion, as long as you don't have underlying kidney dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, what about fats? We need them. You need them. Okay. So for, obviously you need them. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. but, but what, what, what my thinking is for my clients, when I, when I create their peri-workout nutrition, what I'm doing is I'm taking into consideration and I'm actually doing a live on this just after this is over, um, in my Facebook group, but I'm taking into consideration how long their workouts are and I'm giving them just enough fats to help their pre-workout meal last that. But our workouts are much longer than yours. Yours are 20 to 30 minutes, right? Uh-huh. So how how low or high do you keep your fats before the workout? You don't want that pre-workout meal to take two hours to digest. No. So pre-workout is mostly proteins and carbs. Just carbs. Yeah. Yeah. Very little, like as little fat as possible. Because you want fast. uh Like let's say you have like a sirloin steak for, and some rice for lunch. I know very bro-ish, but if you eat that (laughs) too, you know, just for the sake of sanity, if you're eating that two to three hours before training, I wouldn't cook it in any butter. I wouldn't add any butter or anything extra to your rice. Keep that added fat to minimum or as low as possible. 
because with CrossFit, uh, you know, there's Pukey the Clown for a reason as like an icon. That was me. Because, yeah, because <laughs> a lot of people throw up from those workouts. And one thing that can contribute to that is not having fully digested food. Mm-hmm. And so the more fat you eat in your pre-workout meal, the heavier it's, the heavier it's going to sit. And if you're doing a bunch of box jumps, going for a run, and then like doing pull-ups and shit, yep. everything's getting sloshed around in there. It's probably not going to end well. Mm-hmm. But... You want that pre-workout meal anywhere from like two to even up to five hours before because you want to return that cortisol to almost a fasted state. Okay. And in terms of blood sugar, returning almost to a fasted state so that way your blood sugar is not too high and that way it's not too low. And that's where a lot of the like shakiness and lightheadedness comes from. If you start going too fast in a CrossFit workout and you, yeah, and you ignore your coach and empty your tank before you should, or even that you're supposed to at all, that that's really what happens is the low blood sugar, whether you ate too soon and it's not returned back to normal, or you haven't eaten since like 7am and you're working out at 5pm and you just don't have anything in your system. Please don't do that. People. No, please don't please eat before you train. And like there, um, I worked with one client for a while and she was a struggle, but not because of who she was as a person, but because of her job that she worked some really long shifts in the hospital and she's a nurse and very little breaks, very stressful. Like she helped out with surgeries. And so she was constantly running around for like 12 to 14 hour days would have like, she'd be lucky to eat 700 calories in a day. And that's, that's all we spent time on was trying to find ways to sneak in more food. Yep. And whether that's like prepackaged stuff, um, stuff that's already cooked Just from like calories Twitter. somewhere. Yeah. And we got to the point where it's like, she has a bunch of sh- just shit in her break room where it's like donuts and Oreos and, and you know, shit like that. And she felt bad for eating. And it's like, at this point, I don't give a shit. You need the calories, <laughs> especially if you're going to try to make it to 515 class and you're running on 500 calories. No wonder why you're basically having a seizure at the end of class. Yeah, you've had 15,000 steps today and you're 500 calories in. Like Exactly. You're in like eat the donut. Deficit. Eat it. You need calories, period. Yeah. Like nutrients is the least of my worries right now when you're eating poverty calories. Yeah. That we need to get you eating, period, and get you doing that consistently. Then we can clean things up. You but if you're underfeeding sort of and she's super stressed, um, like long distance relationship, long hours, very high stressful job. She does CrossFit, which adding, you know, another like 20% on your yeah. cortisol <laughs> levels. And so it's like, you just need the carbs and food period. Mm-hmm. And we can worry about the rest of that later. So that comes to, you know, truly what's important for long-term versus short-term. Cause like, yeah. obviously like neither of us have met a person that we can't improve their diet from a food quality standpoint, yep. but if you're dipping that low, you just need food. Yeah. Fuck the quality. You just need food. You just need calories. Yeah. Like your body's going to thank you. And mm-hmm. it's like, you're healthier eating that donut when you're literally starving than you are avoiding it because you think that donut's bad for you. Right. Yeah. And I think that's another big issue that, you know, a whole can of worms is like labeling foods as good and bad. Mm-hmm. There's no good or bad foods. There's just better time, better or worse times to eat them. Yeah. Um, and, like and, and in her case, it like, there was only a right time to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> like when it's available, when you're yeah. conscious. Yeah. When you're conscious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's interesting. And and how, like when you say low fat, how low? Cause when, when I program for most of my clients, I'd say most of my clients pre-workout meals and their post-workout meals will have 
10 to 15 grams of fat, depending on if they are going hypo towards the end of the workout, mm -hmm. they need a little bit more fat or they need some intra-workout nutrition, which I also program. How low would you say is like low fat for a 20 to 30 minute high glycolytic activity? As low as possible. As yeah. like, like like zero. Like if you could have cream of rice and, and protein powder. Yeah, yeah. probably. You yeah. don't need it. Yeah. I mean, for an overall like macro standpoint and a full calorie prescription, I tend to like 20 to like, I would never go higher than 35% of total calories coming from fat. And no, real, 20 to 35 is good. 35 yeah. is high for like for most of my clients. I know like that's the, yeah. that's the absolute high end yeah. that I would program just because that's where like you really get into that storage mode where like your hormones are working fine. You have enough of the cholesterol and triglycerides to produce your, um, your sex hormones and keep cortisol, thyroid, everything running well. And then it just becomes overload where you're not using it and it just gets stores as body fat. So I'll never go above 35% with a client. Mm -hmm. And then how low we go again, depends on personal preference, but I will never take someone low enough. Like women, especially I try not to take lower than about 55 to 60 grams total in a day, regardless of what their prescription looks like. Like I would rather pull carbs and pull fat just because women are so sensitive to their hormone health. And I know that's something Jason's probably talked about with you too, but for whatever reason, men are just so much more resilient when it comes to hormone health and being able to bounce back from like yo-yo dieting or like any form of starvation that whatever reason, I don't know why it's just science. I have a theory that men recover faster for hormone health and women don't. I don't know why I'm, I'm super open to your theory. I wish I had an answer for it. Like we just have less shit control. going on. Well, yeah, probably well, my theory is birth control. I think birth control fucks everybody up, dude. I mean, you're oh, giving you're giving women exogenous no hormones from it does, the age they're thirteen, and the and doctors I think are that's what's fucking them up. Doctors are so bad at it too. Well, they're just it, like, oh, here's some. Don't even get no, me no, started. No, no, try this. Don't even get me started. <laughs> no, on just birth throw control. those out. One and of try my clients, thing. I opened up a huge can of worms. Really? Um, she was on birth control since she was like two. No, like twelve, like twelve <laughs> like or thirteen. Twelve or thirteen for real, like twelve yeah. or thirteen, and. She's in her mid thirties now and she just got off of it a couple years ago. She's done having kids, had a hysterectomy at like 35. And what is that? Uh, got her ovaries removed. And oh, damn. so, yeah, basically just took out your lady parts. The, the I, women are going to hate me for this, <laughs> for this horrible explanation, but like the equivalent of a vasectomy for men is, I guess what it boils down to. I'm still not an expert on that, but um, done having kids, which also means just like in a vasectomy, like you quit producing testosterone because cut your balls off and cut the tube form that you don't have that endogenous production anymore. And so it's that same concept with women where she's not producing any, any of those sex hormones on her own, progesterone, she wasn't producing them anyway. Exactly. And so she just got her blood work done and I love her doctor to pieces that she got me everything I asked for. She's a functional medicine doctor she's a nutritionist like she knew we were on the same page for a lot and she's exhibiting signs of like pcos depression there's a there's a handful of levels that were like super low and i'm still trying to connect the dots we just got them the results back this week but fuck dude i can't imagine being on birth control for like 20 years and not having any side effects so when she signed up for me it was like we're you know we're gonna do the foundation stuff work first and just kind of like clean up your diet, get everything eating better. 
and try to get you in as best of a spot as we can until we get your blood work back. Mm-hmm. And so now we got her blood work back. I'm trying to decipher all of this and connect all the different dots for different hormone levels and things like Hashimoto's and PCOS as a, as a male are, is something that I will never understand. Like I will never understand that symptoms. I will never understand like the pain of going through those and what type of side effects that those syndromes can cause. And so I'm trying to do all that research myself now and give her the best plan possible based on her blood work now. Have you taken Jason Theobald's class? No, I have not. I haven't either, but it sounds like it's right up this person's alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did get the hormone course done through NCI. I still have the women's health and gut health to, to go through, but I've gotten all that was my other question is her gut. Uh, overall pretty well. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, no outstanding issues for anything digest well. She tends to wake up kind of sick in the morning if she doesn't eat like first thing, but her fasting blood glucose was normal. Okay. And so I don't know like what her sensitivity is, but she said she's really sensitive to any, um, changes that she had for like hormone medication and like any depressants, things like that, that she was really sensitive to changes. And I, we think it's because she never had like those that endogenous production. Yeah. Cause if she started getting on birth control before she went through puberty, that I don't think anything happened naturally in the last 20 years. And that's something yeah. that I'm trying to still figure out where it's like, as a guy, I can't imagine that. Cause it just, you know, fucking happens for us. It does. Like, and I, but I mean, that being said, a lot of, a lot of men go on TRT, but like we're not exposed to it at such a young age that it just shuts down our endogenous production. Uh-huh. It uh, is. Yeah. It is kind of right. Like being put on testosterone. At like it, imagine. Yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if you like went to get your checkup at 14 years old and your doctor was like, here, stick this in your ass. Yeah. And like shot you up with TRT and was like, just do this every week for the rest of your life. <laughs> You'd be I, like, what? I need to get blood work done, but yeah. I, um, I probably had low T for a little bit, but I think I bounced back cause I kind of cleaned things up, but you can fix a lot of it with diet. Yeah, well, I, have a I good went protocol for you if you want to try it. Uh, I would love that after we get done. But I went through quite a bit of trauma when I was a teenager and um, early on into adulthood where I was just a fucking mess of everything. And Same. so I probably had like I know for a fact I had symptoms of low T that like I was sleeping a bunch. I couldn't get an erection. My sex, my sex life sucked. My focus in college sucked. Um, I couldn't build muscle. My athletic performance just as a rugby player was in the tank. And working, you know, working at a bar on the weekends probably didn't exactly help that. But it's like, yeah, I was a freaking mess. Yep. And that was a one. That was the very first thing that I noticed when I moved out to Colorado was how my biofeedback changed once I actually got into like a normal sleep routine mm-hmm. that like my hormones started feeling better and, you know, morning erections, just like being able to build muscle again. My appetite came back. I was sleeping better. I was in a better mood. All because I started getting that circadian rhythm back where it's like, oh, I'm not up till fucking 4 a.m. anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was the very first thing that I noticed, like apart from the difference in altitude moving from Iowa. But like hormonally and like diet wise, that changed almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And you can, um, you know, especially speaking of having low T, of course, part of the, the protocol that I have is mostly fats, cholesterol, selenium, things like that. Uh-huh. Um, now, we were talking about we, we were talking about fats and as they relate to hormones. Um, like if you're a male on TRT, and you mentioned not bringing your women, you know, too low in fats. Mm-hmm. Um, for my for natural people, I do keep their fats higher, right, because they need it. But like if you're a male on TRT, like your fats can be pretty low. Like 
your your hormones are pretty much synthetically being de- delivered. So, well, my only question, like, I don't have a answer or response to that just because that's not like in my area of expertise at all. But if you're getting, you know, TRT and those testosterone in- injections, what does that do with like your thyroid and your cortisol and everything else that's like connected to your sex hormones? Does how does that affected just from TRT and then pairing diet with it? you know, that cascade effect of you need your testosterone to produce so much of other bodily processes. Are you still getting the same? Like your, if, your if, body you, recognizes if you were, hormones if you were hormones hormones. super low fat? Yeah, your body recognizes hormones as hormones. Okay. Yeah, so like you, like literally it's like a bunch of testosterone is just chilling in your body or like not a lot of testosterone if you're like low and need TRT. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it's just like more comes in and they're like, hey, we don't know how you got here, but like welcome to the party. Yeah. And it just functions the same. CrossFit or bodybuilding what's better for a beginner um, and ha- and how do you how do you like yeah what's what's better for a beginner before, i think we're both before i forget <laughs> can i answer the fat question oh <laughs> yeah before. um not even just like pre-workout meals in general we still need enough fats to help manage hormone production because yes. because of how stressful crossfit is and the intensity level that we work at like low fat isn't the absolute answer either. Just because we need carbs for like fuel and performance doesn't mean that we automatically just go low fat. Mm-hmm. Like we, we need a healthy amount of both because the carbs, you know, bring back insulin and decrease that cortisol production. But then just dealing with, you know, COVID times, stressful jobs coming in, doing high intensity workouts that we still need our fats to combat that in general for just, hormone health especially like if you're talking testosterone and estrogen production that we get from eating fats that's going to help your muscle building whether you're in crossfit or bodybuilding yeah that you're going to be stronger you're going to be more athletic you're going to perform better your bones are going to be stronger tendons are going to be stronger so regardless of what lifts we're doing we're less likely to tear something mm-hmm. so yeah. where where do and people learn more about like how to do this correctly, how to work with a coach, work with a yeah. coach, right? Yeah. Hit, yeah. Right. Google, hit, hit us up. <laughs> yeah. Google is not the answer and neither are random articles. And there's a lot of really bad coaches out there, but any well, plug to NCI, um, anyone that's worked with Jason and NCI is a hell of a coach to be with, but being with someone that truly cares is going to go much farther than anyone with just a textbook of answers. And actually have a coach that's willing to do the research and not afraid to say, I don't know something. That's the big one because it is highly individualized. Like whether or not someone's on TRT or if they're not, or if they react differently to high fat, high carb diets or low, low carb, high fat diets, whatever it is, we need to be able to assess biofeedback. And when I say low fat for everyone, I'm not, I've, I don't think I've ever, I don't, I can't say ever, but I would very rarely put someone below 20% of total calories. Like Dylan said, 20 to 35 is kind of my sweet spot. 25 is where I love to sit for most, most of my clients, 25% of total calories. But again, this depends on how your feedback is, like mm-hmm. how your body responds. So yeah, get yourself a coach who you check in with every week or you can have an open line of communication with to talk about what's going on with your body, everything from your sleep, your digestion, your energy, your stress, your libido, all these things so that we can figure out what works best for you. Yeah. It seems like that's really the answer regardless is getting proper coaching because mm-hmm. I think most most like average people, they're not going to know any of this stuff and they're going to what they're going to do is they're going to fall into whatever is marketed at them best. And it's yeah. often like the big fad diets or whatever, like just low like carbs or this or whatever. And they're just repeating things that 
right now people television. are saying that fruit is bad for you. What? Right, which is like... You haven't seen that shit, dude? No. Yeah, people are saying that fruit is now bad for you because it has sugar in it. Like, I have oh, never... I've seen Yeah, that, that yeah, type yeah, of yeah. shit. I have never yeah. seen someone get fat off of eating pineapple. I'll tell no, you that right yeah, now. And there's a difference like, between pineapple and sunny D. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the fuck? Yeah, for real. And That's so true. Yo, we need... Fruit replenishes your fructose replenishes your liver glycogen. People, don't be afraid of fruit. Mm-hmm. Like just because it's got sugar, don't be afraid of fucking orange juice and like shit, as long as it's like a hundred percent juice. Don't be afraid of it's ice cream. Don't be afraid of anything. Honestly, yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. Okay, you're that, right, you're that's. Right. I think that's the point though. That that was the point I was making though. Is like just cut all of this shit out and just get a good coach. Yeah, because like yeah, the reason guessing. you're afraid of things is because you're like, well, sugar's bad, right? And it's like, well, not necessarily. What's going on in your life? What's going on in your body? How are you training? Like, do you have the time to fucking go to school for years and figure all this out? Or do you just want to work with someone that can just get right to it? Yeah. Like, just, you know, like, like bro, sense. I eat two Rice Krispie treats every day before I work out or during my workout. Like, sugar's yeah. not bad for it's you. It's the reason, the reason <laughs> I had that, ice cream last night and I still, still woke up with my abs. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that you we can have, um, you know, somebody on here who is a vegan and like very strong or you can have the opposite of that is because it is so much more complicated than just like this equals that. And it's so individualized. So just get a coach, I think is the best thing to do. I like that. Let's talk about, let's, let's switch gears here. Let's talk about um, mobility and then risk and injury. Like we kind of talked about recovery, but like, I feel like a lot of people associate CrossFit with a high risk sport. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get into this because I want to talk about what makes a good CrossFit coach or a good box or a good trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, So where do you think this comes from that, you know, people who do CrossFit are always getting hurt. Um, How does mobility play into that? And what are your thoughts on what makes a good coach? Uh, YouTube highlights give CrossFit a bad rap and (laughs) for all the fail videos. And then even like the CrossFit games that like that's an elite level as a sport, not a fitness regimen that these people are the absolute best in the world at what they do. And that is very, very different than the workouts I'm doing. Like I'm a recreational rugby player, go ice skating, go hiking. Like I'm just a regular person. So the way I treat my workouts are going to be very different from that sport. And so a lot of people see the CrossFit games and think, what the fuck are these people doing? It's like, I can never do that. Or like the very last event of the games this year, run a mile in a vest, do a hundred handstand pushups, 200 pistols and 300 pull-ups all with a vest on. And you see the guys and girls just like shredding their hands and everything. And that amount of volume. Yeah. You and I could never do that, nor should we. And so that all comes down to a coach that writes good workouts where it's not random and we're controlling our volume. We're controlling the intended stimulus for how those workouts should feel because we're not designed to empty the tank every single day. And like we do, like a couple of weeks ago, we had overhead squats as our workout of the day. That That's CrossFit. That some days we go for runs, some days we mix a bunch of things up, and some days we just have strength days. And so knowing the ins and outs of what you're programming and why, along with the intended stimulus that you're trying to get at is, again, with your goals. That That's how you keep people safe and that's one reason why we avoid going to failure because when that happens, especially for complex movements, whether it's like snatches, pull-ups, things like that, that they do become more dangerous. You start hitting that threshold 
of where you're trying to muscle things instead of do them efficiently and move well, where you're just not checking your ego at the door and you're like, I don't give a fuck what my spine looks like. I'm going to pick this up. That's how you get hurt. I think part of that is because in CrossFit, and I feel like a lot of people have this and the amount of clients that I have to like beat this out of, um, is people want to finish the rep. Like mm-hmm. in CrossFit, you have to finish the rep. Yeah. In bodybuilding, you go until the muscle can no longer contract the load. That doesn't mean you get a, that you have to get a full rep. Like you can mm-hmm. go partials. And as long as you're keeping your form consistent, like those reps still matter. But in CrossFit and for a lot of people, they're like, oh, I didn't finish it. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be a, a source of, of, of injury for sure. If people are just like getting the rep done at all costs, but that's not what we do. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a difference in, again, competition movement standards. And like, we still try to adhere that in regular classes, but there's some people with like injuries and limitations where like, it's okay if you don't get into full depth in a squat because you're physically unable to. And then there's some people where it's like, I've seen you squat. I know you're capable. I'm going to hold you to that standard. Mm -hmm. But if you've got an injury or something, like I'm not, I'm not going to push you to that. And that's the beauty of scaling and why CrossFit works so well when it's done right because we have clients in their upper 60s pushing 70s and I also train an 11 year old and he is purely focused on movement quality and more often than not he uses the 15 pound training bar and that's it and so it's mechanics consistency and then intensity so when you have a when you have somebody come into the gym, if they have never moved before, mm-hmm. or if they're young, or if you've never seen them move before, what's your process for either selecting what class they should go into or like pairing them with a good group? Uh, we have good groups through all of our classes, and there's people that move well enough that can be shepherds for anyone that might need it. But what we do is if someone doesn't have CrossFit experience before, we put them through um, basically like on-ramp, we call them foundation sessions, where it's three sessions one-on-one with a coach. And I actually just got done doing this uh, with a high school athlete last week, where we put you through um, three sessions, two that are an hour and a half, and then one that's an hour. You do all the movement prep, and pretty much everything is done with a PVC unless like you're reasonably athletic where we're just dialing in movement quality. I'm cueing you for the points of performance. I'm making sure you move well. I'm teaching you about what CrossFit is and what to expect. We put you through a workout where it's it's five to 10 minutes at most. And like the first workout that we do is a five minute AMRAP, again, that circuit style of, God, my boss is gonna butcher me for this. Um, it's got burpees, pull-ups or ring rows, and front squats. Yeah, seven, seven front squats, seven ring rows, seven burpees is our very first foundation session. And so nothing too complex, nothing too heavy. And it's like, this is five minutes. This is how it should feel. And most people get about two rounds. And like, obviously, it those smaller numbers, everything is expected to be unbroken. But we talk about how different the movements are going to feel if you're just doing like a set of front squats versus when you're pairing it with other things. And so we give you three days and four hours of pure one-on-one instruction where we're covering as much as we can. We're educating you as much as we can. And if we need to, I'll shepherd you through your first couple classes. Mm-hmm. And so like I finished um, my foundation sessions with this high school athlete last week and she moves phenomenally. 
I was very pleasantly surprised because she doesn't have much of an athletic background, but she's super explosive. She hit, um, brings the bar into her hips for Olympic movements. Like she gets full extension, like every, she's a great visual learner that I'm not going to have to shepherd her at all. But I've had a couple people where I'm going to have to shepherd you. I'm going to have to hold your hand a little bit, but like not in a bad way. It's just that we don't feel you're confident to be safe on your own yet. And in a group class, that is where personal training differs, where if you and I are working together and you're coaching me for a personal one-on-one session, I'm getting your full attention for an hour and a half. If I have nine other athletes, I'll get to you a few times, but I'm not going to be able to watch over you every second. And that's what the shepherd's for, for if we need it. That whether that comes from a coach, whether that comes from an experienced member, that someone is going to be there to check in and make sure that you're staying safe. Mm -hmm. Then we have our membership specialist. Once you finish those foundation sessions where each day that we know that you're coming to class, that you, Josh, after you finish your foundations, you're going to get an email with, hey, Josh, this is what tomorrow's workout is going to be. This is how it's expected to feel. This is what I think you should scale it to. And then a little blurb about whether it's nutrition or what CrossFit is and that like we'll scale you back and we're not just going to throw you into the fire. That's a common mistake that people think is like, I need to be in shape before I do CrossFit. And that's not the case that a good coach will scale everything and anything that's needed to keep you safe and to still give you a good workout. Cause intensity is relative that, you know, the 11 year old, the 70 year old and myself all have very different intensity levels for what we consider as hard but we can all do the same workout. We can all do the same workout, get a good workout in. And I've been plagued with a handful of injuries um, from the college days. I separated both shoulders. I'm a coach. I still scale workouts. I don't do the RX weight a lot of times, or if my shoulder's hurting for like gymnastic stuff, I won't do it. And I'm not afraid to scale back. And that comes down to ego for, am I trying to be on the top of the whiteboard or am I trying to be fit and healthy and come back tomorrow? I like and that. a good coach is going to be able to explain that to you. I like that. I really like that. And you know, as as much of a um, as much as we stab at CrossFit, it sounds like someone like you, who's a good coach, can really take anybody from any level and at least get them to fall in love with fitness in some some capacity. And as mm-hmm. as coaches, like y'all, that's all we can really hope for is we just want to help you develop a better relationship with fitness and nutrition. And so, if people can have someone like you. And they want to try CrossFit, but they're afraid to know that there are good coaches out there who will be able to meet you where you're at. And that's what a good coach does. Shop around. Yeah. Shop around, try different boxes. I've met some phenomenal coaches and I've also experienced some pretty bad ones. Mm -hmm. And you might not like your CrossFit gym for like the first time you drop in someplace. And that's okay. It's just like choosing a therapist, choosing a restaurant that like you try it once. Maybe you didn't like it. Go back. Mm -hmm. But give yourself the time to think about was it the environment? Was it the was it the people that were around me that I didn't like? Was it the coaching? Did I even get coached? I've walked into a gym and dropped into a class, and the coach didn't even bother to ask me my name. Let's. Do, I want. I, I like where you're going here. What are like three red flags that would that you'll tell somebody if they go into a CrossFit gym? What are three red flags that it's not a good gym? That's tough. Um, for sure, if the coach doesn't acknowledge you. If the coach doesn't acknowledge you and ask questions, um, granted, like us, we have a check-in system and get an email where if someone signs up to get a drop-in, our owner sends an email, hey, thanks for signing up. We're excited to see you on this class at this time. Dylan's going to be your coach. And I'll introduce myself in an email and like, hey, I'm excited to meet you. And 
like I'll ask a little bit of questions when you get into class. And so if you, if you drop into a gym and the coach just like throws you in with the wolves, like doesn't care to learn anything about you, doesn't care to learn about your injury history, doesn't care to even see how you move. And it's like, yep, here's a workout. Fuck it. Here we go. Like that's a red sign. Yeah. Um, Greg Glassman always says, if, if you have a dirty bathroom, it's a sign that you don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that. So even like, it doesn't have to be the nicest gym in the world, but if it just looks like a respectable place that the people who own it and run it, give a shit. And then just the people, the vibe, like different gyms have um, different environments and that's totally okay. Like some are super competitive, some are super friendly and not competitive at all. But just if you jive with the people in class, Mm -hmm. that if you think that you're going to develop, you know, a workout partner or even just enjoy being around these people, then like it doesn't matter how good the workout or the coaching is if you don't enjoy being there. And I'm not going to hold someone to that where it's like, Yes, I would always love to have a member come into my gym and stay, but if they just felt like they weren't a good fit, who am I to judge? Go someone, go somewhere where you are. Like the goal is to make is that you want to go there. Uh-huh. You want to be there. Yeah. So I think that's great, and I like that we can kind of end with some takeaways like that, uh, just to help the listeners uh, who are interested in, in pursuing uh, CrossFit or fitness in general. Like all those things apply to pretty much every gym. Mm-hmm. Like I would say all those three red flags, if you walk into any gym, whether it's a CrossFit gym, a big box gym, a boutique gym, no matter what, if those three things show up and you're like, okay, I don't like this, dude, go find another gym. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And just don't take the first thing that you walk into. It's just yeah. like anything. Like if you're looking Shop for around. a new doctor, if you move to a new city and you need a new doctor, like don't just like go for life with the first name that you see. Yeah. That you come across like, yeah, talk to like a few different people. You got to find somebody, a gym that works for you. Yeah. Not everyone can just like date their high, like marry their high school. Yeah. Don't heart. don't marry the first person that you meet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first person you ever met in your entire life. I'm, I'm going to marry the first person I've even seen. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be fucked up. Oh my Wouldn't God. that be your mother? Yeah. That's what, yeah. Fucked up. Whatever, dude. Okay. <laughs> Sigmund Freud. Oh. I ain't judging. <laughs> All right, so we're uh, we're at what like an hour ten here. Um, so we're gonna try. We're gonna start wrapping things up. But I, Dylan, I want people to be able to um, find you. So where can people find you and tell us what you've got going on uh, the next couple months? Uh, Instagram is Dylan Timmons, and it's D Y L A N, not D I. D I's are wrong. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's the truth. Um, Facebook, same thing. Dylan Timmons. I'm not super active on there. I need to be. But biggest things coming up is like, I hate to call it a new year's challenge because it's not like it's starting January 1st. And you guys are the first people I've actually told about this. My gym doesn't even know. So exclusive. Yeah. Congrats to Novo surprise. Um, I'm putting together a three month nutrition group for preparing for the open. It's coming in February and March and it's going to kind of work as like a new year's refresh and also refueling to, for those that actually care about performing well in the open, whether that's just being at the top of their gym, whether it's just trying their best and beating themselves from last year, that if you care about your performance, you're going to get those benefits. Or if you don't really give a shit about the open, you can still do the first six weeks and it's going to be a whole lot of foundation work to put you in the right path for the new year, regardless of if you're competing. It's going to be a lot of education and interaction and it's going to be the closest thing you can get to one-on-one coaching with me for half the price. That's awesome. Where can people learn more about that? 
Uh, details will be coming soon, but they'll be from my Instagram, my Facebook, as well as the full details and sign up through DeNovo CrossFit's website. Awesome. So y'all follow Dylan on Instagram and Facebook. Learn more about that. That seems like a really good opportunity for most people. Yep. Caveat yeah. though, you do not need to be a part of DeNovo to do this program. It's just through the sign up because it's through the business that I work for, but you don't you don't have to do CrossFit. You can do CrossFit at a different gym. It doesn't matter Okay. that I'm willing to coach anyone, but right now I am affiliated through my gym. Okay. But I have the capacity to give this foundation work to anyone who wants and needs it because nutrition is universal for healthy. There is so much more in common between CrossFit, bodybuilding, fighting, any form of health and fitness. We have much more in common in our protocols than we do differently. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. And the foundation is all very similar. Yeah. Like when it comes to nitpicking and, and nailing down like specifics, we can find differences here and there, but yeah, the foundation is the important part. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome, man. Uh, before we let you go, we always like to play a fun game. All right. So we're going to play pickums. I'm getting real good at these. I have some very creative ones today. Um, it may or may not have been uh, fueled by some substances. <laughs> so, um, these are pickums. I'm just going to yell out two things. It's like a rapid fire round. We got 10 questions. Okay. So two things and you have to pick one of them. Okay. Okay. Oh, is it like a this or that? It's a this or that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll call them pickums or this or that. Okay. Um, so we got 10 of them. All right. Matt Frazier or Rich Froning? Uh, Froning. Ooh, I'm kind of surprised by that. Okay. He, he's the OG. You got to respect that. Night vision or x-ray vision? Night vision. Okay. <laughs> sandals. Um, sandals are slides or thongs? Depends if it's a flip-flop or a slide. There is a difference. There is. A di okay. Do you prefer flip-flops or slides? I prefer Vans. I don't, Vans? I, I don't, I don't own a single pair of sandals, You're fucking but okay. <laughs> state boy, never seen a beach in his life. <laughs> Disrespectful, but no, you're not wrong. Um, I, I go slides if I had you to go slides. I, I do too. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm talking shit, but I do too. Um, <laughs> cycling and CrossFit or pineapple on pizza. I was very high when I wrote this. <laughs> If I'm high, I'd probably go with the pineapple, but I, I guess pineapple I'll, on pizza. Jason's gonna kill you, dude. I know he is, <laughs> but no, I'd I'd probably pick the cycling. Okay, squats or deadlifts? Squats. Peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and fluff? What's fluff? Like marshmallow? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> like it's like uh it's like liquid marshmallow kind of. Oh, that shit, it? dude! Peanut yeah. butter and jelly all day. Okay, I, I respect that. Same, yeah. Regular avocado. toast or French toast? Avocado toast. Avocado toast. Ooh, that's a that's good a one. power move. Brad Pitt in Fight Club or Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Fight Club. Good. Hell yeah. Are you even kidding me? Why is that a question? <laughs> <laughs> Dwight Schrute's Beats or Tiger King's Cats? Tiger King's Cats. I, I absolutely <laughs> hate The Office. Really? I hate it. Get out. <laughs> No, and that's how we end. Don't, and that's yep, how we end. That's it. Yeah. All right, last no, one. I just I can't get with the humor on it. It's too like weird and very awkward cringe, for me. I barely I barely I like Community. Okay. I've never, so I've never watched Parks and Rec. I do like Nick Offerman. I barely like Community, but I fucking hate The Office. You just don't like that kind of TV, then? No, I don't. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, last one. Get punched in the face by Mike Tyson, 
or fight off 400 house cats. Tyson. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, a fucking story. 400 yeah, house like cats a, attacking you would rip it, you to pieces. It would rip you to pieces. You would definitely die. That's yeah. how I feel like my yeah. puppy is right now. He's basically the size of a very angry house cat that likes to bite. <laughs> Dude, yeah. he's a monster. Demon puppy. Demon puppy. Six he is the cutest, puppy. angriest little bear I have ever met. A little seven-week-old German shepherd it puppy that really, wants to eat everything. Really cute. He'll get over it. Well, he's on, my, like, he's on my Instagram. Go follow. <laughs> I, I feel like that was probably the most unique this or that or pickums that we've done. So I appreciate you dealing with me. Most of course, man. Yeah. I should probably start smoking more weed before I do those. That was <laughs> awesome. Um, but that's all we've got for you guys today. Um, we'll have plenty more and plenty more pickums in the future. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five star rating and review. It's super easy to do. And we're hoping to reach a hundred five star ratings in our first month. So I'm asking you all to help us out and be a part of this that would be really awesome screenshot this episode screenshot your rating review just somehow share us on your story and tag us so we can share personally and thank you as always you can find me on instagram at josh levine fitness and travis at travis hawks media please hit us up we'd love to hear from you guys thank you all for tuning in to episode four five four or five and episode of the struggle strength podcast i feel special we'll see y'all next week peace